This is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a sanctuary of sanctity in a sanctimonious world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones of the award-winning survival website doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Nurse Amy, actually Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. I'm purveyor of quality medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Not to mention the hostess with the mostest. She's so tough, she can open cans of tuna with her teeth. Arr! Like that. That's right. <laughs> I demonstrated too. <laughs> On this show, you're going to get the conventional wisdom and the unconventional medical wisdom, whatever it takes for your family to get medically prepared for the uncertain future. But before we start, Listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Listen, don't listen. I don't care. I, I, I do, <laughs> we actually. We do, actually, yeah. yeah. Right. But what happens in a catastrophe when you find out the rescue helicopter is at the annual rescue helicopter convention in Dayton, Ohio? Well, if the stuff hits the fan and the pros can't get to you, you're the highest medical asset. Surprise. And you better do something if you're going to save a life. Before we get started, I just want to mention that we've completed writing the new fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook. Greatly expanded and revised, so much so that the book itself is going to be physically larger, contain many, many new topics, more in-depth information on the old ones, and more than double the illustrations. It's been five years since the third edition came out, so it was time to update. Pre-orders are now available at store.doomandbloom.net, and soon you'll be able to buy the book on Amazon. More info on that real soon. Together, I'd like to talk about anxiety. In the United States, almost 20% of the population has problems with anxiety, which is defined as feelings of apprehension, nervousness, and unease. It might be about an imminent event, a current situation, or it could be of unknown origin. For example, Israel announced that Iran will complete a nuclear weapon in 10 days, and that was nine days ago. Also, are we going to need a vaccine passport to travel, to work, to go to the bathroom? Don't be surprised. So, yeah, a lot of anxiety. That's insane. That's and then right. if you have kids, you have to worry about if they're going to force them to wear masks. And the, poor little children. And these are normal times. I think you can safely say that it's a rare individual that wouldn't experience anxiety when deprived of the benefits of modern civilization. Even today, anxious people think catastrophically. That is, they often assume the worst. In some cases, things are rarely as bad as they seem, but after a disaster, their concerns in this situation may actually be completely realistic. Exactly. Anxiety is similar to the flight or fight response, something useful to humans in a sudden emergency, but not as a chronic state. Unfortunately, some folks experience constant anxiety whether or not there is an immediate danger. Anxiety is more than just an uneasy mind. One sufferer may present to you, medic, quite differently than another. The symptoms can be mostly emotional, mostly physical, or some combination of both. The physical symptoms associated with anxiety worsen an already bad situation. Anxiety may also present as an acute episode, also known as a panic attack. These are most often seen in young adults, may occur without warning. They're characterized by intense feelings of fear and impending doom. Attacks, fortunately, are usually pretty short-lived, 
but severe enough that a person may feel what they believe to be actual physical pain, maybe physical chest pain. Their breathing may become so rapid that they faint. Besides this, you'll see a number of other classic complaints. They include chest tightness, a choking sensation, shortness of breath, losing touch with reality, feeling the walls climbing in or closing in on them, claustrophobia, nausea or strange pit of the stomach feelings, and hot flashes, sensations of heat and flushing. Those who experience frequent attacks may benefit from more intervention. In normal times, you'd want to do tests to rule out certain medical diseases. For example, an overactive thyroid could possibly give a person anxiety as part of the syndrome of an overactive thyroid. Complex physical issues that have mental effects can be problematic to deal with, even in good times. From a treatment standpoint, this may involve a combination of medications and supplements. Unless your patient had a long history, for example, of anxiety in normal times, they won't have stockpiled most anti-anxiety medications like Xanax, things like that. Even if they have some on hand, they're going to run out at one point or another. So by the way, if you have people on meds, any meds that aren't over the counter, be sure to have them accumulate as many as possible before a disaster happens. Don't expect that someone with high blood pressure showing up at your retreat with their last three pills and not have it negatively impact their health. And that also makes the medic's job much harder. As such, you gotta look to your medicinal herb garden. What medicinal herb garden? Yeah, you need a medicinal herb garden for plants that may have a benefit on different issues, including mood. There are many herbs that claim to relieve anxiety, and most of these have a mild sedative effect and can easily be made into teas, uh, also called infusions. I think I'll list these out for you. Okay, great. Uh, we have valerian, and these are actually most helpful, like you said, uh, in teas. I'm going to tell you how much to put into the water. Valerian, use one teaspoon of the dried root in one cup of water. A hops is one teaspoon of female flowers in one cup of water. Lemon balm, which is super easy to grow. One teaspoon of either dried leaf or five to six fresh leaves in one cup. Passion flower. One teaspoon of the dried herb. Avoid the roots though and use that in two cups of water. Skull cap is one tablespoon dried leaves in one cup of water. Chamomile, one of our favorites and my kids' favorites. One teaspoon dried flowers in one cup of water. Catnip, which is interesting. Most people don't think about that as a remedy. That's one teaspoon dried leaves in one cup of water. Green tea, one tea bag and one cup of water. And kava, one to two teaspoons of dried root in one cup of water. That's right. Now, these you're going to strain before drinking. You're going to want to add raw honey or lemon for flavor to a lot of these. Absolutely. Uh, I, I should note that kava, which is the last thing you mentioned, may be dangerous in people that have liver or other medical problems. And some items in the list that she mentioned haven't been proven safe during pregnancy. You've got to learn about these different herbs yep. so that you have the ability to use them not only effectively, but safely, safely as well. Safely, absolutely. Essential oils of lavender, frankincense, chamomile, citrus, and others are versatile, and they also can be used as aromatherapy, direct inhalation therapy, or topically for people that have anxiety. Have the person rub two drops of oil between their hands, bring them to the nose, and slowly inhale. Now, for topical use, mix with a 50-50 mixture of some essential carrier oil, like olive oil or coconut oil, and the essential oil, and apply a small amounts on the temple, neck, and shoulders a couple of times a day. Speaking of oil, CBD oil is being put forth as a treatment for anxiety. Now, CBD shouldn't contain 
THC, which is a compound of marijuana that gets you high. But honestly, for this particular purpose, if it does, it'll have a bit of a sedative effect and might actually help with anxiety. Some studies recommend St. John's wort for anxiety, with one comparing it favorably to certain antidepressant drugs. If you can find it as a supplement, take about 300 milligrams three times a day. And remember, this is not a herb that's recommended for use by children. Uh, Perhaps the most important tools uh, to aid the anxious patient are your counseling and communication skills, medic. When you talk to your anxious group member, you should always listen calmly and attentively. Ask them to tell you exactly what they're worrying about because acknowledging their fears can help the medic build rapport and trust. And that's such an important tool. I acknowledge your fears. I, I have many fears. And you should trust me. I fear you mostly. Yes, you do not. <laughs> now, one useful method of dealing with anxiety is to have your patient write down their concerns on a piece of paper. Right. Sometimes just seeing them in black and white may have a positive effect. Now, in one study, students were asked to write down their fears about an upcoming final exam. People who put their fears down on paper did better on the exam than people that didn't. Go figure. In a survival setting, the items on their list are going to relate to the uncertainty of their current situation. Let them know there's always some uncertainty in life, both in good times and bad. Try to convince them that dwelling on those issues will not make things any less uncertain, but will prevent them from dealing successfully with them. Convince your patient to set aside a finite 10 to 20 minutes of their day to think about their worries with their list in their hand. If you give them duties that are productive, they might think less of those fears the rest of the day. Will it work? Maybe. Who knows? It's worth a shot. This is something that I think that you might consider. Absolutely. Now, I want you to work to improve your anxious patient's quality of life. You can do this by assuring good nutrition, reducing the use of substances such as nicotine and caffeine, and probably alcohol too, encouraging exercise and constructive activities. It's always important to keep them busy. Promoting rest breaks so they don't get so busy that they wind up getting exhausted. Giving them the opportunity to improve their hygiene, get a little clean if that's possible. Encouraging good sleep habits, very important. Boost their immune system too. Provide positive social interactions, that's important to a unified group. And instituting sessions of maybe relaxation therapy, meditation, deep breathing, massage, any of these things might be helpful. I also like to mention the importance of spending time with animals. Pets offer companionship, love, and support. Pets like First Aid Phil here offer companionship, love, and support. And research published in 2018 confirmed that pets can be beneficial to people with a variety of mental health issues, including me. No, including anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) While many people prefer cats, dogs, and other small animals, people with allergies will be pleased to learn that the pet doesn't necessarily have to be furry like Phil here to actually have a purpose. As a matter of fact, we have a large parrot too. Everybody knows TD Bird, our parrot, and the parrot actually petting the parrot is good for not only me, but it's also good for the bird. We also had a bearded dragon yes, lizard some did. years ago. Yes, we did. It was fun just to have it just lay on our shoulders and hang out. Now, I don't know that it loved us, but it was calming to have contact with it, and at least at least once we got used to a big lizard on <laughs> oh, our shoulder. It was very calm. You know what else is nice is fish, our fish tanks. Yeah, just looking at fish tanks, you know, pretty little fish that we have floating Aquariums around Aquariums are very relaxing. Yes, that's right. So get a fish. That's right. <laughs> Many people with anxiety disorders also suffer from depression. Since depression makes anxiety worse, and vice versa, it's important to have strategies to treat both conditions. 
In the aftermath of a life-changing catastrophe, things may be so bad that everybody's depressed to one degree or another. When normally happy people become depressed as a result of extreme circumstances, we refer to it as situational depression. Their situation is what made them depressed, not some biochemical misfire of brain cells. Depression <laughs> may appear cyclical relating to, for example, menstrual cycles or the time of the year. A number of symptoms are commonly seen in various circumstances. I have them written down here. Feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy, apathy, change in appetite, weight loss or weight gain, aches and pains without a discernible, obvious physical reason, sleep disorders, irritability, exhaustion, reckless behavior, and difficulty concentrating on tasks. Severe cases of depression are marked by an inability to get out of bed in the morning, even thoughts of suicide. They can be really, this is a really serious thing, guys. Various medications known as antidepressants are available on the market to treat severe cases like Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, among others. Unfortunately, they're unlikely to be in your medical supplies, medic, unless a member of your group with depression has stockpiled them. As such, you got to look to alternatives. Vitamin supplements like B12, folic acid, tryptophan, omega-3 antioxidants may be effective in some sufferers. St. John's wort, I mentioned that before, has been used with some success, even has been called herbal Prozac by some people. It shouldn't be used, however, again on children or even pregnant women. As with anxiety, you as healthcare provider will have to depend on your counseling skills to aid your patient. You would turn to many of the techniques we use to treat anxiety, assuring good nutrition, reducing substances like nicotine and caffeine, encouraging exercise and constructive activities, promoting rest breaks, offering opportunities to get clean and feel normal, encouraging good sleep habits, providing positive social interactions, and instituting relaxation techniques. Additionally, it would be especially important to make sure your people cultivate supportive relationships with each other. People who are depressed oftentimes feel very alone. You must work to foster a sense of community, and these bonds will provide strength to your emotionally weakened members. Make sure to accentuate the positive aspects of every situation to these people, if there are any. Encourage each member of your group to share their feelings with the others, and group meetings for this purpose will actually encourage communication and bonding in the survival group. Not a bad idea to incorporate these meetings as a regular event in your community. You might have read about post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD, in military veterans. Although often cited as caused by combat exposure, this condition affects many, perhaps all, people to one extent or another who have been exposed to stressful events. Loss of a loved one in a disaster, or loss of a loved one for, many reasons, for any reason, sexual assaults, displacement from a home, many other situations can cause victims to develop PTSD. Relapses are common. They can last for many years. Somebody with PTSD can certainly tell you that. Although anxiety and depression are part of PTSD, oftentimes the patient will re-experience traumatic events mentally if they're triggered. They may become agitated and sometimes uncontrollable. PTSD symptoms can be remembered by the simple mnemonic PAIN. P-A-I-N. P is for physical and emotional reactions. The patient may startle easily, display fear, and be irritable or aggressive. Difficulty with sleeping or concentration are very, very common. Some complain of feeling guilt or shame regarding the traumatic event. In others, self-destructive behavior may be noted. A in pain is for avoidance. The patient may be very reluctant to discuss the traumatic event or, and actively avoid anything that reminds them of it. I is for intrusive memories. 
The patient may have recurrent memories or nightmares that relive the traumatic event. And this just seems to come on and they can't control when it does. And N for P-A-I-N is for negative mood. The patient may feel hopeless, numb, pessimistic about the world in general. They may have difficulty maintaining close relationships. They could de detach from family and friends, the worst thing possible for them. Although anxiety is certainly a component of PTSD, it's interesting to note that anti-anxiety medications don't seem to help as much as antidepressants. Follow the treatment guidelines for depression in austere settings that I mentioned earlier, especially counseling, which may be your only tool you have left. The success of your survival group is going to depend greatly on your ability to spot emotional issues such as anxiety, depression, and PTSD before the situation deteriorates. Once out of control, these conditions will damage the cohesion and unity necessary to succeed in an adverse environment. Observation and rapid intervention are as important for the medic as any technical skill. That's all we have for today, folks. I'm Joe Alton, MD. I'm Amy Alton. And I'm wishing you the best of health in good times or bad, as always. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.